Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to the Storied Podcast. I'm your host and friendly local realtor, Trevor Caswell. Jacob Sloan. Welcome to the show. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> An hour of prep, getting us all settled in here. How do you feel about this view up here? Man, it is beautiful. And I've never been this high in Waco. Uh, it feels illegal to be up here. Like, I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before. Yeah, we got the bird's eye view. We were talking in the elevator, and we need to put a sky bar in here and get some steaks out and have, like, a nice restaurant on one of the floors or something. There's a lot of potential for this place. There is. For sure. But is Waco going to be happy if you do any changes to the Alico building? I feel like at some point you have to. You know, that's – it's well, also, I think traveling gives you perspective of – I don't even know. When, when was the Alico built? Uh, probably the 1920s. Was it? Because it had to be after the tornado, right? I think it was the only one still standing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. My dad. Yeah. <laughs> we need to ask <laughs> your dad. Uh, Listen to that podcast. But, well, so, you know, you go to Europe and things have been standing for 2,000 years. So I feel like, you know, it's only been around 100 years. We could do some, we can make some changes. We can do some modifications. Yeah, yeah. I think Rogue has done a great job up here, though. So shout out to Rogue for this Seriously. amazing view. I think yeah. this is a, a very unique experience. Most Wacoans probably, I mean, how, how many times have you been in the Alaco building? I'm none. None? This is your first time? None. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why when I walked into the lobby, I was like, oh, man. It's kind of exactly what I expected. Mm-hmm. But I was not disappointed. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got kind of gold going on. You got tile. Yeah. I was a little bit nervous going up. 21 stories. You say a little silent prayer as that elevator starts shaking yeah. and ricketing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> there's. I don't know what the elevator like safety requirements are in Waco. There's just not, there's probably not a ton of elevators around. Yeah. There. This yeah. is probably one of the few. Yeah. So you haven't been to the Alico. How long have you been here in Waco? Man, I've been in Waco for 15 years now. So uh, math-wise, I'm 25, and I think we moved here when I was like 9 or 10. And so it's been a minute. And then you you mentioned your dad. He works at Baylor? Yeah, he's a a history professor at Baylor, and I love to brag on my dad. He actually has a podcast with Rogue as well, Waco History Podcast, shouts out. (laughs) Uh, And he is – my flex on my father is that – I think, I hope no one is offended out there. I think he is the foremost expert in Waco history who is alive. Really? Okay, so we got to ask him about that tornado then. No, man, he knows. Like, people people consult the dude. He gets random calls from just just trying to learn about Waco history. Really? So yeah. Okay, that's awesome. So how does that? You got a dad that is working over at Baylor. What does your mom do? She's a psychologist. (laughs) <laughs> so you yeah. got two academics in your household dude they're so smart it's crazy my sister i have a, one sister and she's a genius too so you know like when we play <laughs> this is so random but when we play uh card games or like board games i just kind of tap out sometimes <laughs> i'm like listen guys. i'll be the dealer you I'm guys like, play this is not that fun for me like they're just they're, yeah they're just a lot smarter uh, uh, what does that do to you i mean academic wise yeah. culture wise when you go to baylor and you know your dad is just a few buildings down mm-hmm. is that a knock on the door when you just failed your first test as a freshman how does how does that influence your no, experience my parents did because i'm sure they will listen to this um <laughs> my parents did a fantastic job of allowing me to go to college in the same town support me when needed and let me be a knucklehead when that's what the Lord had for me. <laughs> um, so th- I think, yeah, I mean, it was fun because I, I would see my dad. 
around campus, my mom would drop off blueberries for me all the time. Why uh, Why blueberries? I don't know, man. I just said <laughs> I like blueberries one time, and she's she's a giver, and so she just uh, she pulled saw up need. with blueberries all the time. Uh, but they did a great job of like being there, being present, and also not being, um, you know, overwhelming me at all. Or uh, they let let me make my own mistakes. Yeah, yeah. So does that? I mean, why not the psychology route, the history route? You have two parents that have shown, had have had successful careers. Yeah. Why not go that route upon graduating college? Man, I knew, so when I was 12, well, let's go back, because we got some time. We got some time, man. When I was six, I had a cookie business that... I don't know that I really ran the business at all. My mom <laughs> did all the <laughs> operations. I think I just was cute and delivered the cookies. But entrepreneurship was very much, um, I think my, my parents did a great job of teaching us entrepreneurship. And so when I was 12, my dad uh, told me, hey, when you turn 16, we'll match you for whatever you have for a car. And you know, I wanted a cool car. And so I think I had $500 saved at the time. And so he drove me down Franklin and he found a, a car that was, you know, a thousand dollars. And it was like, he jokes that it was on blocks. I can't remember if it was actually on blocks, <laughs> yeah. but he wouldn't like, pass state inspections, <laughs> but no, let's no, go ahead no. and throw my 16 year old in this car. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's like, this is, you know, what you can have right now. And it was, it was an eye opening experience. And so, I started a lawn business and mowed yards um, and did that through uh, high school and ended up, uh, my first car was a really sick Jeep, which I learned all kinds of lessons with that too, because it, I paid five grand in repairs in the first year. Um, So (laughs) is that added value? Is that appreciation right there? Um, Forced appreciation? (laughs) No, man, that was tires and upkeep. All kinds of stuff broke. Um, but I think that leading into college, I, well, practically I got a free degree because of my father, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I, I knew that I just wouldn't go the academic route that I chose to do entrepreneurship and real estate truly because they were the most vague and the easiest. And I knew that I could go a variety of different ways with both of those. Um, so no, I, I knew that higher education was not where I would stay. That makes perfect sense. But why real estate particularly? There's plenty of sales positions. You could have started a company while you're in college, probably if you had those ambitions, Mm -hmm. why go into a career, frankly, that doesn't require a degree, uh, a a career that's not going to directly, um, I would say impact you financially to get that degree earned. Um, whatever you spent on that degree. Fortunately, yours was paid for, so mm-hmm. thanks, Dad. But for those people coming out of college and yeah. they're in $50,000 of debt and they say, I want to be a real estate agent. Yeah. If they run into Jacob Sloan, they're going to ask you the same thing, man. Why are you in yeah. real estate? And I'll say, that's a great question. <laughs> I, it was not the plan, especially residential. I had, I had thought about doing commercial um, but to, to be completely honest, cause I hadn't had a ton of uh, exposure to residential realtors growing up. And so my, I thought that 60, 50 year old women did residential real estate. And, um, I just didn't even know what it could offer career wise, but I graduated during COVID, um, did a kind of discipleship school the year after and came back to Waco still in the midst of COVID and, had no opportunities job wise. And so I, I, I honestly, I applied for the sales positions. I applied for the commercial real estate jobs in Dallas and Austin and, um, nothing worked out. And so I, I had a friend connect me with a real estate team in Waco. And it is kind of funny. I, I remember walking into the interview and I had a full suit on and, my resume and, you know, I had a four year real estate degree from Baylor. And so I I interviewed and it went well. And I'm sure when I left the building, they were just dying laughing because, you know, I just like best dressed man in the building. I went way too hard. They were wearing like t-shirts and stuff. Um, and so, and 
I think another ironic thing is when I, so I ended up starting with that team and I had a really good experience, but a month or two in, they're like, what did they teach you in school? They're like, you got a real estate degree from Baylor? Like, you don't know anything about this. And I'm like, no, can you teach me? I don't. Um, so I think real estate is is awesome. I, I think especially residential is an incredible industry because there are really no barriers. Like, no matter your your race, your sex, your age, education levels, social class, it's kind of a even playing field. Everybody needs a home. Yeah. Everybody needs a roof over their head, food on their table. It's one mm-hmm. of the basic needs that gives us the opportunity to have a job, right? Yeah, yeah. And even looking at, um, you know, say top 50, top 100 realtors in Waco, it's just a whole spectrum of people, of personalities, everything. And, you know, for one reason or another, they have experienced success in the industry. Um, but they may have made it kind of from from the bottom, you know, and just worked their way. And so I, I think that's why I can't appreciate the industry is it takes hard work. Um, but the barrier to entry, in anybody can be good at it, I think, given enough work and enough time. Well, you yeah. kind of hit on it early too. So you you started out, you graduate from college with this knowledge that mm-hmm. you're like, I'm going to use immediately when I get to real estate. And all of a sudden you get your boots on the ground and academia is thrown out and mm-hmm. experience is now at the forefront. So if you were talking to realtors who have just started out or some maybe somebody that says, hey, I want to get my license, would you recommend to them starting out on a team or going solo? Because this is a classic argument that you're going to get mixed information. You're going to get mixed stories from other realtors in town, but you have fortunately experienced both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and both of us have yep. started on a team. So, man, I'm, I'm passionate about it. Um, when I have friends or younger people come to me and say that they want to get into real estate, I'd say, hey, either join a team or find the best person doing it who aligns with your values and needs help and go under them, which is, I think, like that's what you've done. Um, because it's a long-term thing. Like you're, you're playing the long game. Um, people normally want to go solo because they think they're going to start and and get rich real quick, and that's just not the case. And so to sacrifice, you know, some of your commission to just learn and train under someone in the beginning, I think long-term pays dividends. It's huge. Well, you mentioned it. And by the way, those of you who don't follow Jacob on social media, probably one of the best in the game at it. In one of your instructional videos, you mentioned, hey, 90% of realtors, rookies, don't make it past the first year, let alone five years. Speak to those stats. Yeah. It's nuts. So, guys, uh, it was 85%. Was it 85%? It's above 80, which is not looking good for any of us. I think it was 85% (laughs) don't make it a year. Maybe it was 70. And then 90% don't make it past five years, which is, I mean, if you were thinking about going into industry and you were going to evaluate it just based on those stats, you'd be like, okay, no way. I'm not doing this. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a reality. And so I think it's just good for people to be aware about of on the front end so that as they go in, they're sober minded and they practically have money saved up. That's the hugest thing. Like, I think if if you are, um, if you're not married, if you don't have another source of income, then you need to have six to eight months of living expenses saved up. Uh, and I would say that's also going to just add to the quality of your life because I've seen people start in the stress that comes with not knowing where your, your next pace check is coming from is huge. Um, and, and personally, like I was able to have money saved. I live with my parents. I was blessed enough to, to be able to live on, I don't know, probably 500 bucks a month. And because of that, I was able to focus on a learning and wasn't able to stress about the, the next deal. And it made it so much more enjoyable. Um, and I think I I learned a lot more just because that's what I was focused on, not, hey, 
hey, where's my next check coming from? What is What goes through your head, though, when, when the checks don't come in, because in real estate, we eat what we kill. Mm-hmm. When the checks aren't coming in, fall season slow, early winter slow, what goes through your head mentally? Where's your, <laughs> where's your head at right now? Because we're in the middle of fall in yeah. one of the hardest real estate climates in the past 50 years. Yeah, man, absolutely. And transparently, it, that's where I'm at right now is I had a closing earlier this week and then I'm looking at my board and I'm like, I got nothing under contract, got a couple listings, but listings are moving slow. And so, you know, I think big picture gratitude, which like sounds cheesy, but just to, to be able to step back and say, man, I have a, a place to lay my head. I have food. Like I have people I love in my life and I enjoy what I do. I'm blessed. Like I trust that the Lord will provide. And that, I think that's the first step. Uh, and then from there, it's to continue doing the, the boring tasks. And so that's another thing that real estate has really taught me that's I think applicable to any career is the things that lead to success are boring and the successful do them consistently, you know? Yeah. Consistency. I mean, showing up to work, but I think I love that you hit on faith. You hit on family. Mm -hmm. You have people around you that support you. And I think speaking from my own experience, my wife is that rock that I have to come home to and, and basically re reboost me after, you know, Hey, I've had a couple slow weeks and to have somebody at home that believes in you that also, frankly, is earning a paycheck. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a W2 employee. So for us, we've mentally gone about it as, hey, whatever I earn is a cherry on top because we're going to try to live on her income expenses. So if you have a spouse that's in a W2 career, that really does elevate you as a real estate agent in the fact that you can go out and be more free Mm -hmm. to have that experience of, hey, I'm a little bit lighter on the shoulders. Maybe that lack of pressure is going to help me perform better in front of clients, things of that nature. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up because uh, a a lonely realtor is is a losing realtor. I think there are teams out there of people that want to support you, but you got to let them know. You got to go out there and and meet with people that are in the same industry and find that mentor that you mentioned earlier as well. Having a mentor to say, hey, these things have happened before, you will overcome them. You just gotta put your nose down and grind, right? So if the 18 year old Jacob ran into you today, just ran into you on the streets, what would he say to you? It was fun, you gave me this question before. So it was, man, it was really fun to think about this. I think I thought first of all, if I had, so I'm engaged. I'm getting married in three months. So Woo, I, three months, man, I'm, life changing. I'm pumped. So oh, that's awesome. I think if I had my fiance with me, he would be weepy because he's just your whole life. You're imagining who you're gonna marry, and so I think to see that woman and she's just she's a treasure, and so to see that, I think he would be so proud of me. Um, and then on the flip side, what's kind of funny is I think he, he would also be really disappointed if he looked at my career. Uh, I, but I'll, I'll break that down. So when I was 16 and this kind of brought this memory back when I was 16, I made a bet with somebody in a class that I'd be a millionaire by 26. And so my, yeah, which is, it's coming up quick guys. Uh, so in my frame at that time was just money, materialism. I wanted to be rich and successful in the eyes of the world. And that was my main driver in life. And so if my teenage self was to look at me today with that lens, I think he would be disappointed. But what I would do is sit him down and, and say, man, I God has changed me from the inside out and I've learned what matters in this life and I've prioritized those things. Uh, and I only care about what will be eternal. And so to be successful, to provide for a family, to give to others, those are all good things. But I think I would lovingly say to my 18 year old self, you're, you're a punk and you need to learn something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're your first thing. You're a punk. (laughs) That's awesome, man. And and at your age, I'm not too much further ahead of you, but at Mm -hmm. your age to, to come to that point, to have that eternal mindset and to to believe that your spouse is one of the best things to happen to you and 
that's outside of your career. That's just in your life. Mm -hmm. And to have that perspective is going to put you way ahead of so many people out there that maybe their, their work is their life. Mm -hmm. Maybe their social standing, all these other priorities that can really get in the, in the way as we run this rat race. Right. But you sitting outside of those things and saying, I have my faith. I have my wife. I have a job that I love. What else do I need? I mean, what does that feel like? Yeah, it feels, I'm just grateful, man. It's uh, and I think everything. I, I mean, I just truly believe everything I have, even the acknowledgement of that reality, is by the Lord's grace. And so, I'll take it and talk about it on a podcast and say thank <laughs> you. You know, yeah. It's. I mean, it's a great story yeah. in, in watching you too. I mean, I remember you sat in on one of my, my first like client meetings. And I was like, who is this guy? And, uh, I hear him cold calling down the hall <laughs> and, uh, to see you go from that to owning your own real estate business and being your own businessman at Magnolia Realty and, and taking that and having your own brand. You talk about faith and family, man, that is a great brand to have and doing things with like your own nuance to them. Like even the way that you got engaged, you got to tell people about this. Cause <laughs> When you told me you're getting engaged, I was like, how are you going to do it, man? You're like, I'm going to do it here. And I said, what? This is crazy. So tell me that story. What happened? Yeah. So I proposed about three months ago. And as I was thinking about where to do it, because that's important, you know? It's a memory. There's going to be people there taking pictures and that's it'll be in, ingrained. Our kids will see it. Um and so I started thinking about, okay, you know, suspension bridge, Cameron Park. And also I'm from Waco, so I know three people who've got engaged at each of those spots. And so I, I thought about Oakwood Cemetery, which is the cemetery across LaSalle for a couple reasons. One, and it's beautiful. Like if y'all if y'all are in Waco, if you haven't been, it's got these just hundred year old oak trees and uh it's it's the the natural beauty of it is i would say one of the best spots in waco and then me and uh annie my fiance have just had really special moments there we've gone on walks there early on in our kind of friendship she we ran into each other there randomly um and then there's also this beauty man of um there, uh, it's Song of Solomon 8. It's weird to quote Song of Solomon. Let's go, baby. Song Come of on. Solomon 8. I can't remember the verse, but it's like, uh, love is strong as death. Love is as strong as death. And so there is, a, I believe there is something poetic in doing it in a graveyard and just that that commitment of like, hey, we're in this till death. And also her, um, my, my stepfather, her, her dad, uh, he's like, man. the Father-in-law. Oh, Oh, yeah, we'll edit that. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad's going to say, what? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh, I love it. Um, he, you know, he was just like, man, the grave is a beautiful place for us as Christians because that's that's where we get to meet Christ, you know? Mm. Like, that's eternity. So. You had a serendipitous moment in a graveyard. Yep. When, you, when your kids, when y'all eventually have kids and they start pointing at these pictures saying, what are those in the back? <laughs> that's what's is so there, funny is there like headstones in the back of y'all's pictures yeah you know you can see the headstones and what's hilarious is i had multiple people come up to me and they're like man that place was beautiful where was that and i was like oh it, it was a cemetery and they're like wait what <laughs> and they you know they go back to the pictures and zoom start in zooming like, in oh yeah this person died yeah. in 1949 <laughs> no man it walk around a cemetery i had a crazy experience i ran in that cemetery one time and I came, as I was running, I came across a gravestone that said, Jacob Sloan. No way. Yes. And I have not been able to find it to this day. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I sound crazy saying that. I'm not, I, I want to go back and look some more. I've not been able to find it to this day, but I was running, saw a gravestone that said Jacob Sloan, and it rocked me, obviously, because I was just like, Whoa. Yeah, Charles Dickens <laughs> moment, right? I'm going to die one day. What yeah. did Charles Dickens do? You know, just the Christmas story, right? You yeah. just you you see into the future a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to die someday, yeah. and I have a finite amount of time on this planet. What is What am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? It really kind of gives you that 
eternal perspective like you talked about man i mean that's that's what it's all about and the fact that you and your fiance are on, on the same page with that is huge now whenever y'all get married you get to have shared income you get to have a shared bank account everything is now going to be both of you guys how does she feel about this uh, up and down wave of real estate income have you kind of prepared her for that that is a great question. And I would love to hear how you've navigated that. <laughs> um, yes, I think I've, well, the, the, the awesome thing about real estate is like, I have the potential to make a lot of money. Like this year I've made more money than I would have at a W2 job. You know, a lot, a lot of the jobs I would have taken out of college, praise the Lord. Um, but also, I mean, I thought we were getting married in three months and I thought of the other day, I'm like, Hey honey, I don't see a check coming in anytime soon. So just so you're aware. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it is probably part of that becoming one and like just trusting the other, supporting the other and being in it, you know, for richer, for poor. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the hardest conversations I've had in my life, I remember it, it was March, 2021. Mm. We got married in 2020 and I was just a few months into my first year of real estate. And I remember coming home one day and Emily, we both sat down and she's like, how's it going? And for realtors, that's a very loaded question <laughs> because if you're just closing that day, it's a great day. But the day after, not so great because you realize, oh, this is a 60, 90 day process. You know, what you're doing now 90 days later is going to be the results. Mm -hmm. And she asked me that. She said, how's it going? And I remember feeling like the, the floor came out from under me because when you, you get married, you have this idea of I'm going to provide. I'm the sole provider for my family. I'm I'm going to lead my wife and, and give her confidence in, in what I'm doing. And that moment right then and there, I was like, it's not going well. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm making the calls. I'm going in the office the time on task is there, but the money wasn't coming in. And I was coming out of a four-year career in teaching where your paycheck was coming, uh, whether you were sick or not. And that mentality, that mental shift is what I think leads to that 90% that we talked about, that you have to keep going. And there is that threshold that you're going to hit where I don't know if I can do this anymore. And that's where your spouse, your family, your partner, your friends come in and say, yes, you can keep going. And that's that monumental moment, that watershed moment. So I, I have it circled in a journal that I wrote in and that journal is pretty, <laughs> pretty emotional. It was that moment where you're like, I can't support me and I can't support my wife. And we had a little pug. I can't support her either. <laughs> no little kibble for our dog. And I remember praying so hard that week God, there's got to be a shift here. When is the money going to come in? When is, when am I going to experience this change that, this success that you see? Like you hear the Ryan Serhan stories, you hear all these these big guys out there. They have that moment, and sure enough, like two days later, I get a call on one of our our listings that my team had, and I got to bring in these cash buyers, which in 2021 was the coolest thing. You know, you had a cash buyer as a guaranteed close. And all of a sudden you just start seeing the momentum build. And there is such a, um, a momentum in real estate that I can't, I don't think can be understated. Hmm. If you are riding momentums, you're going to see that you're not going to have time to look back and see how things are going. You're just going. Like if you're um, showing houses and you got to write a contract that night, you really lose track of time because all of a sudden you're excited about getting these people into home that they want. So have you experienced that momentum that I'm talking about in your own career? Yeah, man. Um, well, there was so much there. So hold on. <laughs> Remind me of that question. But I, I think, yeah, there's, especially as men, there's something deep, in us that we're we desire to provide like for a wife for a family um and it's it's like a good desire but i think because i've experienced that too i'm experiencing that now of like hey i want to provide i'm i'm working i'm being diligent to provide but it might not come and i think that's honestly a beautiful thing because like to work to provide is good and also to learn to trust in that we have to rely on the Lord in mm -hmm. some things. It's also just 
a, a beautiful thing. And I think what's been cool hearing you talk about your spouse is like that she can also affirm that you are not your performance. Cause that, that can be a mindset in real estate that who I am is connected with how I'm performing in my job. And that's just not the reality. And so to have someone that can see you at night, see how you're doing, speak that into you is awesome. Yeah. You're running that race together. You're pushing that rock uphill together yeah. and not having your name by the dollar sign is huge. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really good perspective, man. It, it's one of those things that it's a learned trait and you got to have the, the time to, to figure that out and the humility, the open handedness, the trust in God on that. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about having trust and looking into the, for the future, the headlines do not look good whenever you start looking at the future of real estate. So I have a couple of headlines that I've seen recently. I want to see, I want to see your reaction because we've been in this for a couple of years. Yeah. We're under the five-year mark, which once you get past that, right, we can try to beat those stats. <laughs> but I'm going to write somebody a letter once I pass that. I'm yeah. like, hey, I made it. I just want to let you know. I'm not a statistic. <laughs> you can't take me down. I'm seeing a lot of stuff out there that's saying, don't buy rent instead. What are your thoughts on that? I think it just, it depends where you're at. It depends on life situation. So I'll take it here locally. If you are planning to move, if you don't have stable income, rent, I think that's a great idea. However, if you are planning to live here for more than three years, I would say strictly financially, it probably makes more sense to buy. And and I would say just talk to someone about it. Like call up a good realtor and have them run the numbers. You know, we are obviously don't know where the market is going to go. We don't have a crystal ball, but we can make general assumptions based on historical facts of appreciation. Um, and then you can just do the math. And and truly, home ownership is not for everybody. Like some people never want to fix their a AC when it goes out. Like they just don't want that responsibility. Um, and that's great. But I'd say from a financial perspective, if you're going to live in a, a market like Waco for longer than three years, it makes a lot of sense to at least evaluate buying. Yeah. Um, you have a chance to start building wealth. And the reason why that is, is if you're, if you're taking rent, if you're paying rent, you are paying off somebody else's mortgage. Mm -hmm. You're taking your money and you're lighting it on fire. You won't see it again. It will not come back to you unless you get a deposit back, right? Yeah. But if you're putting that into escrow, every month and you're starting to pay down that mortgage, all of a sudden this market moves a little bit in your favor, rate shift, um, you have socioeconomic things going on. All of a sudden that turns into a, a bank account that appreciates over time in which you could probably pull out more money. So it turns into this wealth building process and there's even leveraging as aspects as well. You could leverage the house that you're in to create more financial opportunities to maybe go invest in a rental property. Yeah. Maybe have some entrepreneurial um, um, ideas come out of that. So I think you're exactly right. It, it does come down to situations and you know, who better than to call Jacob Sloan and be like, Hey, what do you think I should call do? Trevor? <laughs> we are at an interesting, we, we don't directly compete against each other. It, it's funny. There's thousands of realtors out there and, there can be a competitive edge, but what I've found with Waco, and maybe have you, let me know if you've experienced yeah. this. There is a, a small business minded um, culture here where you're rooting for everybody. You're friends with everybody. I mean, even when deals kind of go south and, and they can every, every now and then, I'm still talking to that realtor. We're still doing business with each other. And it's not this like, neck and neck race but it's like hey let's do these deals and let's let's help this this city grow in the right direction have you experienced anything like that yeah man i think especially waco there there are bad realtors out there for sure because i've i've done deals with them uh, but <laughs> hopefully we're not on anybody's <laughs> list <laughs> but there are so many awesome realtors like even yesterday i had a friend mention that he was gonna buy a house and i was like you know, it's always kind of awkward with friends. I'm like, hey, if if you're looking for help, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation because it's fun for me, but I also never want them to feel pressure. And he's like, oh, actually, we're working with, you know, this this guy that I went to church with. And I'm like, great. Like, he is 
awesome. You know, like he's going to take care of y'all. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you have to work for that to not have a scarcity mindset. Um, but that that is something that's so true about Waco's. There's there's a plenty of awesome realtors. Yeah, and, and scarcity mindset, that's, that's great that you talked about that. There is a scarcity mindset out there right now. There's recession talks. People believe we're in a recession now. Numbers certainly show that. Now, when you see and hear on the headlines, people say, hey, wait for the house prices to drop, then buy. Do you have that same bias or are you telling people, hey, let's go shopping now? Yeah. I'd say if you know when they're going to drop, let me know because I'll start saving. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, I think that's what people have said for like 50 years, you know? And so there's an old adage that the best time to buy real estate was five years ago. So we do not really like we can make predictions on where the market's going to go. We don't know. What we do know is over time, if you buy a house, it appreciates. In the same time, you're paying the loan down. In the same time, you get tax benefits. In the same time, you get the leverage of, of you know, the bank giving you 80% of that, that asset. So, um, yeah, I, I think to wait, and these days specifically, a lot of people talk about interest rates, and so they're like, hey, I want to wait till interest rates come down. But you just got to think about it on a big picture, on, on the big scale, how many other people are thinking the same thing? Like uh, everyone. So if you wait till interest rates drop and everyone else is as well, and everyone gets back into the market at the same time, homes are going to go up. Mm. And so it really, I think we can overcomplicate it sometimes. So personally for me, I'm telling folks, Hey, the next six months, interest rates are stupid high, but I think there's going to be some deals. And I, I think you could get into a house cheaper than you can in a year from now and then you refinance in a couple years absolutely and there's there's less there's less people you're competing against we can all remember 2021 when we're handing over our firstborn child just to get into the bidding war and insane man people writing love letters people are doing all that they can hey we'll clear (laughs) all the trash out of your house you just move give us the keys do you have any funny stories about love letters (laughs) (laughs) i've had to go in I won't lie to you. I've had to go in and tell clients like, hey, I wouldn't put that down in your love letter. I don't think these people need to know that about your family. And I'm not sure it's going to get you in on this home. Ultimately, the price tag is going to get you into this home. But I've I've seen some crazy love letters. How about you? Yeah, I've had the same experience where there's there's been a couple that I've received, you know, because my clients, it's usually the client that asks, hey, can I write a letter? Um, Because technically they're kind of against fair housing laws correct yeah they made that change i i think 2021 we started seeing a slew yeah. of them come in so i've had clients ask me hey can we pass a letter i'm like yeah if, if if you feel really strongly about that we'll do it and i'll read over it and i'll just be like man y'all really really buttered them up there i'm like <laughs> is this all is this all factual um yeah. So, oh, yeah. That you see the the flag on the on the wall, and all of a sudden they're talking about their military history, and my son's serving, and you just have all of these connections. Or Facebook. That's my favorite. I've had clients that are like, "We're mutual friends on Facebook. Should I reach out to them?" And I'm like, don't, "Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't send that message because this thing could go sideways in a hurry." Yeah. And Ultimately, I've, I've experienced that. It, does, it doesn't go well. It no. doesn't go well. <laughs> and there is that learning aspect to real estate of there are so many of us out there and we're all very different in how we do business. Of course, we have to stay to stick to the rules. But when you're dealing with clients, they're going to push you a little bit. You're going to have to jump out of your comfort zone and put on different hats. What have you found in your dealings with clients, especially when the going gets tough or things get emotional, yeah. what if, what depths have you found yourself going to to get the deal done? Man, so I, I think I've learned a lot, just especially through the craziness of the market. And so one would be empathy, and I would credit my, my mother for that one as well. But The psychologist. Yeah, just to understand what people are going through, kind of put yourself in their shoes, because it is such an emotional process. It's like, the biggest buy of their life. Yes, so emotional. And then also kind of to be a commanding presence, because I'm like 5'8 and 25, and so if I'm 
dealing with a six-year-old man who, you know, thinks he knows more than I do, respectfully, uh, I, I have to be firm in, in how I speak, but for their best interest, you know, like in a, out of love, I have to say, Hey, that's just not going to be the best result for y'all. Like, here's what I'm going to suggest. Um, so I think those are two traits, but dude, I've done some crazy things. Like one of my first deals was a mobile home in Whitney, um, which is like 45, 50 minutes North of Waco. And I, Drove to Whitney 10 times, 12 times. I don't know how many. And uh, you don't get reimbursed for gas in real estate? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, I, I just, I burned miles like over a month. Um, yeah, that was that was a crazy one. And then there's all kinds of little stuff. Like I've cleaned out trash in a crawl space, you know, the day before closing. I've purchased random things that were taken on accident. I've moved out couches at the last minute the seller was supposed to move out so it's it's all part of the job and it's you know it's not fun in the moment but it's it's a good story it's a good story man <laughs> last year on my birthday i get a text from a realtor showing one of my listings out in the country she said hey everything looks great but uh there's a snake in your house <laughs> and i said there's a snake where's it at and she said it's in the laundry room and it's in this like cupboard i don't know how the snake got back there but that tells you something about snakes and get anywhere and i was like well did you get it out like did you try to shuffle it on out of the house she said no it's still there so i text the owners and i said guys there's a snake in our house i'm shutting down showings nobody's going in here until the snake's getting taken care of and they're like we don't mess with snakes we're not doing it and this is at the height of the market we need showing so I go out there and I take a 60 degree wedge and I take a pooper scooper in a bag. And sure enough, this snake is in the house. It did not move. And it's a 3000 square foot home. So I was ready to go on a hunt for this thing. And it was in that cupboard and uh, it was a chicken snake. So not venomous, but anytime you see a snake, you think that thing is going to. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to sick you and you're, you're going to die. the best. Yeah. Exactly. I mean the worst. Yeah. yeah. Red and yellow kill a fellow, right? Uh-huh. So I, I used the 60-degree wedge to pull them out and start scooting them towards the door. I go and try to grab the door and open it up. Well, this house has foundation issues, and the door is stuck, oh, no. and the snake is mad. So he starts coming after me. So I drop the pooper scooper, and I take a 60-degree wedge to this guy's head and basically splatter blood all over this house and march this guy out there to the pasture and, <laughs> and bury him. So I told the guys, I was like, Y'all need to add this to my recommendation list when you talk about what your realtor will do for you. <laughs> yeah. What we go through to get a deal done. <laughs> yeah, could you drop this on my review? Just oh, to let man. people know. And my favorite thing about real estate is that people do assume you're the expert, rightfully so. But what they don't realize is that we're not an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. And my favorite questions clients ask me, because I always laugh. They're like, Trevor, what type, what, what type of tree is that? Dude, I get that too. Why do y'all care about what kind of tree is in your yard? You go research it. I'm not an arborist. Arborist. What do they call it? Arborist. Arborist. <laughs> arborist. I don't even know how to say it. I was like, I don't know. It's an oak tree. Yeah, it's funny. I actually downloaded. There's an app where you can take a picture of trees and plants, and it'll identify it for you. I downloaded it yesterday. Really? Because I get that so often. Um, yeah, and there's there. I think that is my favorite thing about real estate, though, is you, you learn such a wide spectrum of random things. Um, people always ask me about countertops, too, and, like, mm. materials. Like, what material is this? And I'm just like, listen, I don't know. It's It looks like quartz, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Could be grade two. Yeah. Could be grade three. Yeah. <laughs> you start knocking on it. No, that's what I usually do. Yeah, like, just knock. Just to kind of act like what I know what I'm doing. I'm not yeah. kind of listen to it for a minute. Look at the um, HVAC. Oh, yeah. It's a carrier. Yeah. What so, else do you know about it? But it's, it is fun because I've, <laughs> I've, like, HVAC, when I started, I didn't know what the heck. Like, I didn't even know how the system worked. Yeah. And I have, like, learned a lot about it. And so it's, it's fun. And even owning my own home, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know to water my foundation mm. you know during the summer i know how to especially in waco oh yeah you got to disclaimer there yeah i, I had clients one time they <laughs> on the way out they just sat there and got real quiet i'm just like did i forget something they said is that dog gonna bark all the time 
And I just looked at them and I'm like, I don't know. I don't live here. <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> I, uh, I had a, a dear friend um, who sold his house. Well, I, I helped him sell his house. And that was our biggest objection for everyone who wanted to buy it is the dogs next door just went crazy. And it's funny because he lived in the house and he was like, listen, I understand it. Like they keep me up at night. <laughs> like it, it's terrible. There's nothing you can do. No, no, no. You can't, you can't fix your neighbors, but you can do stuff to, to, to fix your house. And I, I think we talked about it earlier, you know, there, you can't pick up and move your home, right? The, the land it's on, can't pick it up and move it. There is value in where it's located. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing right now with sellers that are just stuck because there is no buyers coming to their house? What do you recommend to the sellers that are being impatient, that are wanting to do everything they can to get that thing sold so they can move up to Colorado, for example? Yeah. Well, I think for realtors and homeowners alike, we have been a little spoiled by the market of 2020, 2021. Um, so I think it's just, hey, being realistic, I would say as a realtor, you know, trust your realtor, listen to them. And it, in the end, there's a lot of things you can do uh, marketing-wise to ensure the home has as much exposure as it possibly can. Um, there's things you can do on the homeowner side. You can... Um, stage it you can clean it well you can make certain updates that make sense but in the end it's it's price you know and um the market is going to determine if you are priced well um and so you know i think that's the biggest thing is like there's been multiple clients in the last couple of months that for us you know we we figured out what we thought market value was we listed it and because the market's hurting a little bit we had to go back to the drawing board and, and brainstorm, hey, do you really want to move right now? Like, is, is this going to be the best for you long term? Um, and then go back to the price and, and look at recent comparables and say, hey, we, we probably need to adjust to this number at this point if we're wanting to, to sell in, a, in the next couple of months. Yeah. And, and having that conversation, trust the trust between client, mm -hmm. right? And realtor, you know, one of my, my boss and mentor, Jeff, he, he always says, you know, when you're having conversations with price, you're going to have to make an analogy. You know, you're going to have to tell a little bit of a story mm -hmm. and clients get upset because when money goes onto the table, people change. Yeah. You see brothers and sisters fighting, you know, over how much they're going to sell the house for that they got in their inheritance. You see um, divorces. It just gets really nasty. But one of the things that he talked about when you talk about price to make it easier for people when you're talking about lowering it, he says, ask them this. If I cut the price in, how, in half, how long would it take to sell your home? And of course, their response is going to be like, it'd sell today. I would buy it again. And he said, okay, so you are agreeing that price is going to dictate the sell of this home. Mm -hmm. And for me, that just lit a light bulb because, yes, there are some very obvious answers whenever you look at your clients' houses or when you're walking with buyers and you have the answers, but you're going to have to lead them to the water in that instance. And especially with sellers in this market who are having to be more patient, how can we redirect? How can we get them back to the core of it, which you're mentioning is the price. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're talking about renting, and this is something I want to get back to with your stories, when you're talking about rent, it is, it's pretty much staying where it's at right now, which is high. And one thing I've noticed right now is that the Baylor bubble where you lived, it, it is just astronomical how much you guys are paying to live in what I would call it a, a slum house. Some of these houses, I see the couches on the back and it looks burnt. <laughs> I'm just sitting here wondering how much you Baylor kids are really, are really uh, paying for those homes. So there are rumors that there are slumlords in, in the Baylor bubble. Do you think that's true? I would say in my experience... They aren't slumlords. They just have some slums living in them. <laughs> and I say that as one of the guys that lived in those houses. Uh, man, I mean, I lived in three different homes uh, in the Baylor bubble after freshman year, and I had a possum in every single one of those houses. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is it? What's it looking for? Is he eating out of y'all's uh, kitchen? We had some crazy possum stories. Like, one of them ran across my my one of my best friends' back. Like, he was like shirtless in his bed, ran across his back, 
We killed one with a spear. We uh, so y'all just had a spear lying around in Baylor. Oh man, that's a that's a crazy story. <laughs> I won't go into that. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it is incredible what people will pay for rent for some homes that look like they should be condemned. Hmm. But hey, I had a lot of fun living in them, and I think other people do. So sophomore year, uh, and this was before the Lord got a hold of me. Um, when we moved out of my sophomore house, we had 15 grand in damages. 15 we grand. We literally, like I said, my dad teaches at Baylor, so my tuition was paid for. So thankful. I had to take out one student loan, and it was for this house, for the damages on this house. We We tried to fight it, and we actually got served. Like, a dude walked up to, a cop walked up to me. He said, are you Jacob Sloan? I said, yes. And he said, here's this letter. And he, we got served to, to, uh, show up in court. <laughs> and we were like, okay, yeah, we'll pay it, whatever. Is that a reality check on the living standards that you guys had? Or was it oh, circumstances? Man. What, how do you lose 15 grand in damages renting it, a home? It was on us, like to see, and I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. So I'm just going to speak. <laughs> Other free. than our, our uh, spouses, future spouses and uh, family, man. I think we're good. I was going to say, I'll speak freely. Uh, maybe we could delete this later. But the I remember the rap sheet because they listed everything out, you know, for the damages and the price for the, wow. for the repair. And it was hilarious because it was like beer splattered all over the ceiling. So we had to repaint it. I'm not kidding you that the house we lived in maybe had 15 doors and it, it maybe had three when we moved out. You guys like a little miniature compound in there. If you need to go to your buddy's room, you just walk right on in. Yes. No curtains, nothing. Yes. Like that was just a hobby for people was to just start punching a door, like rip off a door. <laughs> it, it, it was, um, yeah, it was a mess. Did you guys ever lose like power or something and have to turn into Boy Scouts and survive? Yeah, I mean, we, that was part of it. We started a, a fire. We burned a couch and the concrete in the back and like realized you don't start a fire on concrete. Why? There's, there's air pockets in the concrete. And it's probably the closest I've ever come to, to dying just because I was sitting by this fire and all of a sudden just a mat, the, just a crater in the concrete it just exploded in our faces and concrete shot like 50 feet um dang (laughs) it's like a michael bay movie (laughs) no man it was wild um yeah all kinds of stories oh man i i hope to share many more with you man i i really appreciate you coming on here i think you've thrown a lot of wisdom our way and how can we find you jacob follow me on the social medias I'm recently on TikTok. I'm not a huge fan of it, but, you know, I'm just posting stuff on there. Uh, it's Jacob Sloan underscore Magnolia Realty. Instagram is probably the one I'm, I'm most active on. Um, and, yeah, guys, I would encourage you to stay tuned for the rest of these episodes. If you made it this far in the podcast, like, call me up and I'll Venmo you five bucks. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like yeah, you huh? deserve something. <laughs> um, but Thank yeah, you for your time. Super, super grateful to be here. And it was just fun to talk, man. It was. It yeah. was. Thanks for coming out and enjoying the view with me. Let's go. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for Trevor Caswell Realtor. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.